إِنَّ Indeed, those people who يُجَادِلُونَ They dispute في آيَاتِ اللَّهِ Concerning the ayat of Allah, the signs of Allah, the verses of Allah. And how do they dispute? Or rather, on what basis do they dispute? بِغَيْرِ Without Sultanin Any authority, any proof أَتَاهُمْ It came to them. Meaning, without any sultan having come to them. So in other words, they dispute with the ayat of Allah without any sultan. Sultan as in any authority. They have no authority. They are not in a position to dispute with the verses of Allah. They have no foundation, no basis, no logic, no proof, and also no justification. You see, for a person to discuss a certain matter, they must be worthy of being able to discuss that particular matter. For a person to challenge a particular decision, they have to be of a certain status. But here we see that these people, they have no authority whatsoever, they are in no position whatsoever to challenge and dispute the verses of Allah. So in other words, they are doing it on the basis of pride and arrogance, they are doing it on the basis of ignorance. Now, repeatedly we see this, disputing with the verses of Allah, this theme being repeated in the surah over and over again. What is jidal? Jidal is basically to dispute, to argue concerning a matter. What is the purpose of arguing concerning something? What is the objective? What is the, the thinking, the psychology behind it? It's out of resistance. That you don't want to accept something, so you refuse it. But if you say no outright, that's not acceptable. So you have to find fault in that which you are refusing to accept. And in finding fault, you are basically disputing about it. The verses of Allah are such that they must be accepted. We are taught, وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا Say that we have heard and we shall obey. The attitude of a believer is that when he hears the verses of Allah, he surrenders, he accepts, he obeys. So the verses of Allah, the right of the verses of Allah is that they must be accepted, they must be believed in, and that they must be surrendered to. But there are some people who, instead of believing, they deny. Instead of accepting, they dispute. And how do they dispute? By finding fault in the verses of Allah. And they do that without any proof, without any argument. Meaning they have no solid basis on which they are arguing with the verses of Allah. So Allah says that in not fi sudurihim in their chests illa kibrun except greatness. Meaning the reason why they dispute concerning the verses of Allah is because in their hearts is kibr. Kibr kaf ba ra greatness. Bigness, meaning the bigness of something, the largeness of something. Alright? And here, kibr means arrogance or pride. And of course, this greatness is false pride. They're not actually great, but they consider themselves to be great. And remember that the definition of pride, of arrogance is بَطَرُ الْحَقُّ وَغَمْطُ nas. That when a person considers himself to be too superior, so he doesn't accept the truth. And he considers himself to be too superior, so he belittles people. He thinks himself as higher than other people. So in their chests is pride, meaning they are full of arrogance. 
This is why they dispute concerning the signs of Allah. And this arrogance, this kibr, which they are full of, is such that ma not whom they be baligihi at all ones who reach it. Baligi is actually baligina, plural of the word balig. And who is balig? One who attains or one who reaches something. From this is the word balig, also used for a person who's reached the age of puberty. Right? Why? Because balig, he has reached puberty. You understand? So, مَا هُمْ بِبَالِغِيهِ They are never going to reach it. They are never going to attain it. What does it mean by this? They are never going to attain it. It is what? بَالِغِيهِ He is referring to, first of all, defeating the ayat of Allah. They are never going to be able to refute the verses of Allah. They can try all they want. They can dispute and fuss all they want. They can find whatever fault they want. But they will never be able to defeat the verses of Allah. Never. They will never be successful in this endeavor. Secondly, مَا هُمْ بِبَالِغِيهِ He is referring to this kibr, this greatness they assume of themselves, is such that they can never attain and satisfy. In other words, the greatness they assume of themselves is never going to actualize. It's never going to actualize. They refuse the verses of Allah thinking that they're superior. Will they actually become superior? Will they actually attain greatness in this world, in this life? Never. Look at how Abu Jahl thought so highly of himself. Abu Lahab thought so highly of himself. But what happened to all of these arrogant people? Did they really attain that greatness? No. What they suffered in this life was total humiliation. Look at Fir'aun. Look at how full... He was of pride in himself. Did he really attain that greatness in this world even? No. He didn't. So, ما هم بِبَالِغِيهِ Allah says, فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ So seek refuge in Allah. Against what? Against their evil, against their envy. إِنَّهُ Indeed He is, هُوَ He alone is, السَّمِيرُ The all-hearing, البصير, The all-seeing. We see in this ayah, this is a continuation of the previous theme where the Prophet ﷺ is being comforted. Because remember, it's a Makki surah. And in the previous verses, Musa ﷺ's example was given. That how Musa ﷺ, he had to face the arrogance of Fir'aun. And the Prophet ﷺ was facing the arrogance of Ahlu Makkah, of the people of Makkah. And it was the desire for superiority within Fir'aun as well as the people of Makkah that led them to blind rejection of the truth. In Surah Fussilat, Ayah 26, we learn that the Mushrikeen would say, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَا تَسْمَعُوا لِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَالْغَوْ فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَغْلِبُونَ They would say, don't listen to the Qur'an. Instead, when the Prophet ﷺ is reciting the Qur'an, be so loud, make so much noise, so that you prevail. You prevail. Remember, Fir'aun also had this fear that Musa will change your religion. Right? So it was this greed for superiority. This greed for greatness. We see this problem existing within the people of Makkah also. That many of them actually were envious of the Prophet ﷺ. You know that the Arab society at the time of the Prophet ﷺ was tribal. Right? A tribe was important compared to others because of certain great men within that tribe or certain 
things that happened in their history, certain accomplishments. And within the tribe also, sub-tribes or clans, even they had their own superiorities. All right? So one would boast over the other. All right? So the Prophet ﷺ, he was from the Banu Hashim. The Banu Hashim, they enjoyed many privileges in Mecca. You know, yes, they were wealthy. Yes, they were merchants. But in addition to that, the Banu Hashim were also those who served the pilgrims. Alright? In fact, Hashim, one of the ancestors of the Prophet ﷺ, he was given this title because he would break pieces of bread, alright, and make this huge stew or food with it, prepare food for the pilgrims who would come. So this was a great honor in that society that you have the right to serve the pilgrims. So it was something that they would boast about. Now what happened that some people belonging to other clans, they said, you know what, Banu Hashim have this, they have this, they have this, they have this. Now they get prophethood also? No way. We're not going to accept it. Muhammad wasallam is from the Banu Hashim. If he is a prophet and we accept his prophethood, that means that Banu Hashim gets a privilege that no one else enjoys, then we are really accepting their superiority. And you know what? We're not going to accept it. So they rejected the prophethood of Muhammad ﷺ, not because they didn't see it. It was out of pure arrogance. This was out of pure arrogance. So this arrogance is being criticized over here. Allah says, "In fi sudurihim illa kibrun mahum This greatness they assume of themselves is never going to actualize. Why? Because those who are arrogant are brought down. Those who are arrogant are brought down by Allah. And we see this. How mushrikeen, they failed miserably in their efforts to defeat the verses of Allah. Look at Fir'aun. His efforts to suppress the truth and elevate falsehood, these efforts never materialized. They never became successful. In Surah At-Tawbah, Ayah 32 also, Allah says, يُرِيدُونَ أَن يُطْفِئُوا نُورَ اللَّهِ بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ they desire to extinguish the light of Allah with their mouths. And Allah refuses except to fulfill His light, to perfect His light. Even if the deniers dislike it. Meaning, no matter how much they dislike the religion of Allah becoming superior, their dislike is never going to stop the religion of Allah. No. This is something that Allah will ensure happens. So the Prophet ﷺ is advised, فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ Seek refuge in Allah. Why? Because of their evil. Because of their envy. Their pride. إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ Indeed, He is the hearing and the seeing. لَخَوْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ Surely the creation of the skies وَالْأَرْضِ and of the earth the creation of the skies and the earth, it is akbaru, it is greater min khalqin nas than the creation of people. It is as if we are being asked that on what basis do you assume greatness of yourself? How and why do you think highly of yourself? On what basis do you consider yourself to be superior that you can reject the verses of Allah? You have the audacity to dispute with the verses of Allah. Instead of accepting, you criticize. Instead of surrendering, you challenge. Why and how could you do that? Have you seen yourself? Compare yourself with the skies and the earth. How massive are the skies and the earth which are also the creation of Allah. And look at you. Look at you. 
Allah says the creation of the skies and the earth is far greater than the creation of all people. But most of the people do not know. So what's the lesson over here? That if a person were to reflect briefly even on how Allah has created the skies and the earth in their vastness and their magnitude, then all his arrogance would go away. All of his false pride would fizzle away. Because it really doesn't befit the small human being to walk arrogantly on this planet. Arrogance is something that simply does not befit us. It just does not befit us. Especially arrogance towards Allah. Arrogance towards His commands. Towards His verses. It's something that is just not acceptable. It's foolish to act proudly. وَمَا and not يَسْتَوِي He is equal. الْأَعْمَى The blind. Those who are blind, and the word أَعْمَى is used for one who is not able to see. وَالْبَصِيرِ And the one who sees. Meaning, the blind person and the seeing person are not the same. They are different. And here, the blind refers to the one who is arrogant, the one who is heedless, the one who is ignorant. Because arrogance blinds a person. He doesn't even see himself anymore. He becomes so blind to his own reality, he starts to think so highly of himself, whereas in reality he's so small. So arrogance blinds a person. It makes him heedless. Blind to the signs, the obvious signs, the obvious truth. Ignorant. Ignorant to the greatest facts, realities of life. This is what arrogance does to a person. It blinds him. Walbasir, the seeing person. Who is the one who can see? The one who can see his own reality. So he is humble. The one who can see the signs of Allah. So he accepts them. The one who is aware, cognizant. So the one who is blind and the one who can see, they are not equal. Similarly, Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ amanu," And those who believe, وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And they also do righteous deeds. They are not equal to musi, And nor the one who does evil. Musi from the root letter, سِينْ وَاو hamza, Su is evil. سَيِّئَةْ Evil. Musi is one who does evil. So the blind and the seeing are not the same. And الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَلَا Nor are they the same. Nor are they the same. They are not equal. قَلِيلًا Little مَا Very little تَتَذَكَّرُونَ You all remember. How very little do you remember? تَتَذَكَّرُونَ From تَذَكُّر And what is تَذَكُّر to reflect? To take a lesson, to remember, to bear in mind. Because you see, there are many things that we come across. Okay? Many things that we come across. But do we remember everything? No. Can we recall everything that we come across? No. What is it that we can recall later? Something that we thought about. Something that we reflected over. Something that we paid attention to. This is tadakkur. That you pay attention to something, you give thought to it, you're not just reading, but you're also understanding, you're analyzing, you're reflecting, and when you will reflect, then you'll be able to keep it within your mind, and then you'll be able to recall it. So, قَلِيلًا مَا تَتَذَكَّرُونَ How very little is it that you remember? It's as if we are being taught that your reflections are very few. So, in other words, O people, reflect more. 
reflect more. Don't you see the difference between the blind and the seeing? Don't you see the difference between opposites? Well, there is a huge difference between one who believes in Allah and His commands and the one who rejects. There is a huge difference. In Surah Hud, Ayah 24, we are taught, مَثَلُ الْفَرِيقَيْنِ كَالْأَعْمَى وَالْأَصَمِّ وَالْبَصِيرِ وَالْسَمِيرِ The example of the two groups is like that of the blind and the deaf. And on the other hand, the seeing and the hearing. These are two groups. هَلْ يَسْتَوِيَانِ مَثَلًا Are they equal in example? No. أَفَلَا تَذَكَّرُونَ Then will you not take a lesson? Allah says, إِنَّ السَّاعَةَ Indeed the hour. لَآتِيَةٌ Surely coming. It is surely arriving. It's on its way. It's definitely going to happen. Atiyah is one that is coming. From the word ata, yati, to come. Ata, he came. So atiyah is that which is coming. That which is coming. Meaning it's on its way. It's on its way. Inna sa'ata la atiyatun. La rayba fiha. There is no doubt in it. Meaning it's a certain event. That is definitely going to occur. What is the day of judgment? It is al-haqqah. It is that which is going to become haqq, meaning that which is definitely going to occur. وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ nas, But majority of the people, la يُؤْمِنُونَ They do not believe. Why is this mentioned over here that the day of judgment is coming? The hereafter is coming. The hour is coming. That what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because many times there is a delay in believing, in accepting, in surrendering the commands of Allah. So it is as if we're being asked, what are you waiting for? The hour is on its way. Your death is fast approaching. But most of the people do not know. They do not know, meaning they do not believe, as in they do not affirm it's coming. Why? Because they only believe in what is apparent. They only worry about what they see. And that is the dunya. بَلْ كَذَّبُوا بِالسَّاعَةِ They deny the hour, they don't believe in it, instead they're deceived by the zahir. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ And your Lord has said, Udruni, Call upon me. Make dua to me. Not that a servant should turn away from Allah. Not that a servant should start disputing and arguing about the verses of Allah. Well, why is this like that? And why is that like this? No. Allah has said, Ud'uni. This is what we should do. Call upon Allah. Worship Him. Not be arrogant towards Him. Ud'uni. Ud'uni from dua. And what does dua mean? To supplicate. Basically dua is to call out to someone, to invite someone. Alright? And from this, you call out to someone when you have some request. Right? So dua is used for supplication. But remember that the word dua is not just used for supplication. It's also used for ibadah, worship. So there are two meanings of udruni. What are those two meanings? What's the first one? What's the first one? Call upon me as in make dua to me. Ask me. You have a need? Ask me. And when is it that we don't have a need? We're always needy, right? That's our reality. We're always needy. All the time. Which is why it's amazing. We ask people around us for so many things. Or we ask ourselves, how can I fulfill this need of mine? Right? So Allah says, Udruni, 
call upon me as in saluni ask me and the second meaning is what's the second meaning worship me worship allah wahiduni as in worship only allah so wa qala rabbukum ud'uni and what will happen when you will call upon allah and when you will worship him astajib lakum allah says astajib lakum i will respond to you astajib from jawab jim wa ba meaning i will always respond to you and of course allah responds in different ways because inna alladheena indeed those people who yastakbiruna they are too arrogant an ibadati from my worship they feel too proud to worship allah then what is the fate of such people sayadkhuluna they shall enter jahannam hellfire dakhirin as ones contemptible Dakhirin, plural of the word dakhir. From the root letters, dal, kha, ra, dukhur. And dukhur, we have done this word earlier also, it means to be small. Like less, smaller compared to the other. This is dukhur. But not just small as in small size, but humiliated. Meaning without much worth. Disgraced. And deserving of hatred. Deserving of dislike. Worthy of dislike. contemptible despicable this is what dukhur is sayadkhuluna jahannam dakhirin such people will be admitted into hell how while they will be debased humiliated worthy of hate worthy of contempt not deserving any pity any mercy why because they brought this upon themselves they displayed arrogance so they will be humiliated like we learn that some people will be raised on the day of judgment like ants 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 what do they represent small size right they're so small that sometimes you don't even notice them this is how the arrogant will be resurrected sayadkhuluna jahannam dakhirin what do we see in this ayah we have been commanded to worship allah we have been commanded to ask him and if we don't ask him it is as if we are being arrogant if we don't ask allah if a person does not ask allah then he is displaying arrogance you see worshiping allah is honorable and refusing to worship him is pride false greatness which will bring disgrace to a person In this surah we have been learning about the theme of seeking forgiveness from Allah, right? Seeking forgiveness from Allah is humility. And seeking forgiveness is a form of worship. And refusing to seek forgiveness is what? It is arrogance. So one way of life is of servitude to Allah. Whether that is in the form of asking Allah or it is in the form of worshiping Allah or it is in the form of seeking his refuge or seeking forgiveness this is one way of life of servitude to Allah and the other way of life is of arrogance towards Allah and that is jidal fi ayatillah refusing to seek forgiveness right likewise not asking Allah not worshiping him refusing to ask Allah is arrogance 
How is it arrogance? Because refusing to ask Allah is basically refusing His favor. Allah says that He is ghafir al-dhamb. Allah says that He is qabil al-tawb. Allah says over here that ud'uni astajib lakum. I will give you. I will give you. And when a person says, no, I'm not going to ask you, this is like refusing Allah's generous offer. And refusing someone's generous offer, then what is it other than pride? Isn't it pride? It's like somebody's offering you a gift. Right? They say, I brought this for you. Please accept it. Right? They brought you a gift so nicely. And you say, no, no, I, I don't want it. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it. Right? You refuse to accept it. Now, if you're in that position where you're giving the gift, and that gift is rejected, do you feel hurt? Do you feel hurt? Why do you feel hurt? Because you just got rejected. Isn't it? You feel that the other embarrassed you, they humiliated you by not accepting your gift. Rejecting someone's offer is showing pride to them, is being arrogant towards them. When Allah says, call upon me and I will give you, and we say, no, I'm not going to ask you Allah. I'm going to ask my dad, or I'm going to ask my friend, or I'm going to look into my wallet, or I'm going to go figure out a way myself. Right? Refusing to ask Allah is refusing to accept His offer. And that is problematic. That is arrogance. And for such arrogance is disgrace and humiliation. You see, people, they do not like being asked. And we think that if people don't like being asked, Allah does not like being asked. No, Allah loves to be asked. He says, Ud'uni, ask me. Ask me. It's amazing. When people will tell you, can I help you with something? And you ask them for something, and instead of helping you, they just direct you to what you can do. You're like, you just offered me help, and now you're not even helping me? This is how people are. That even when they offer some help, it's fake. It's with a lot of weakness. It's not genuine. It's just like, you know, you have to kind of show niceness to the other person. Right? Like to be a good host, you have to say some things even if you don't mean them. To be a good friend, you have to say some things even if you don't mean them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He says, Ud'uni, He means it. When He says, call upon me, He means it. Which is why He says, astajib lakum. When a servant calls upon Allah, then Allah happily turns to him. Once the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Inna du'a huwa al-ibadah. Du'a is ibadah. Du'a is worship. Supplication is worship. Which means that if a person is not supplicating to Allah, then is he worshipping Allah? You understand? Throughout our salah even, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're asking Allah. For instance, when we're reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, we praise and glorify Allah, and then what do we say? اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ mustaqim. That's asking Allah. Isn't it? In rukur, in sujood, what do we say? Different du'as, and in them are supplications. Between the two sajdas, we sit and we say, رَبِّ غْفِرْلِي, رَبِّ غْفِرْلِي. Right? Even salah is supplication. So the essence of worship, every act of worship is what? It is dua. It is asking Allah. And then the Prophet ﷺ recited this dua. 
And this is why the person who does not make dua deserves Allah's anger. The person who does not make dua deserves Allah's anger. The Prophet ﷺ said, مَن لَمْ يَسْأَلِ اللَّهِ يَغْضَبْ عَلَيْهِ The person who does not ask Allah, then Allah gets angry with him. That why do you not ask me? Because the servant is refusing Allah's generous offers. Because the servant is thinking himself as self-sufficient. He is thinking that he is not in need of Allah, whereas he is in need of Allah. Because our reality is that we are needy. And Allah, what is His reality? That He is the giver, independent of need. So ask and take. I know many uh, women, when they can't pray, they get very sad and stuff. And like personally, I was very sad too. Um, but then I realized that prayer is just you know, dua. So during those days, I just strive to make even more dua. And I'm, honestly, I'm more satisfied and closer to Allah in those days. Yeah, but this is true. That many times we think that just because I can't fast or I can't go for hajj or I can't give sadaqah, you know, I have been deprived. Remember, a group of sahaba, they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said that such and such people have gotten ahead of us. Right? Because we pray, they pray. We fast, they fast. Right? But... They have money which we don't have and they give charity that we don't give. So then what do we do? We've been left behind. And what is it that the Prophet ﷺ taught them to do? Dhikr. Adhkar. Another form of worship. Right? Asking Allah. Making dua to Allah. Because dua is a form of worship. It is indeed the essence of worship. So, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دُعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Your Lord has said, call upon me and I will answer you. This statement, أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ What does it mean? That every single dua is accepted. There is no dua that goes waste. That is not heard. Dua, when it is dua, it is accepted. Because Allah says, أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ This is the proof of that. In a hadith we learn that the Prophet ﷺ said, No Muslim makes dua unless he is someone who has cut off his relatives. Meaning that's a different case. Someone who's cut off from his relatives, he's a different case. But someone who's not cut off from his relatives, he is maintaining the ties of kinship. Then when he makes dua, he is given one of three things. Either his supplication is answered quickly. He made dua for money, he got it. He made dua for a new car, he got it. Made dua for a new phone, got it. Make dua to get into a certain program, got it. Alright? Make dua for anything, he got it. Immediately, quickly. Alright? Or it is stored up for him in the next world. Because dua is worship. And worship is rewarded. So it is stored up in the next world. Or an evil equal to it is averted from him. Meaning something dangerous that was coming his way is averted from him because of that dua. So his dua became a means of protection. Alright? So somebody who heard the Prophet ﷺ saying this in that gathering, they said, then many supplications will be made. Right? That if every dua is answered, 
one of the three things is guaranteed, then you know what? We'll ask a lot. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah has more to give. No matter how much you ask, Allah has even more than that to give you. So then, Allah's treasures and gifts are not limited. What's limited is our asking Him. This is the problem. We don't ask Him enough. This hadith is in Al-Adab Al-Mufrad of Imam Bukhari. So, Ud'uni astajib lakum. Call upon Allah. How? With determination. Because a dua always works. A dua is meant to be answered. Ud'uni astajib lakum. It is meant to be responded to. This is similar to how if there is a kitchen knife, alright, it's meant to cut. Correct? A kitchen knife is meant to cut. This is the purpose of the knife. So likewise, a dua is meant to be answered. When you ask Allah, Allah is a samir. He is qareebun mujib. So definitely dua is going to be answered. Now sometimes it happens that a person is making dua and he finds that dua is not being answered. Then you know what? This is similar to how a person may be using a knife, but the apple is not getting cut. Why? Is there a problem with the knife? No, the problem is in the methodology. Alright? How the knife is being used. That perhaps a person is using not the sharp end of the knife, but the other end of the knife in order to cut. Because that woman is too busy talking, so she's not really looking at the apple, and she's going, why isn't it cutting? Why isn't it cutting? And then she sees she's holding the knife the wrong way. You understand? So the problem is in the methodology. So if a person is making dua, but he's making dua without any determination, without any yaqeen, he's thinking, you know what? Yeah, fine, I'll give it a try, but I don't think it's going to work. Then he's not using dua properly. The problem is not with the concept of dua. The problem is in the way this person is using dua. Another reason is that there is some sin that is not allowing the dua to be accepted. That is coming between the dua and its acceptance. And there are certain sins that prevent duas from being accepted. So for example, in the hadith that I mentioned to you earlier, one sin was cutting the ties of relationships. Right? قَطِيعَةِ rahim. Likewise, أَكْلُ haram, Consuming that which is unlawful. This is also something that prevents duas from being accepted. And thirdly, it's possible that the dua is not correct. That the dua the person is making is just not correct. Now you might wonder, how do I know what is the correct dua and what is not a correct dua? Dua is basically your wish, whatever you want. Right? You know, like a person could say that, I want that right now, right now, there should be rain. Well, you know what? You don't dictate what goes on in this universe. You understand? That's Allah's wish. Yes, Allah can do anything. Allah can do anything. But if the objective of making this dua is to test Allah's abilities, then you know what? This dua is not right. You understand? That dua is not right. Because you're using dua to test Allah's abilities. Who are you to test Allah's abilities? Dua is for the purpose of asking Allah to fulfill your need, because you are not able to fulfill it yourself. You need Him. It's meant to demonstrate neediness, not arrogance. 
So the use of dua is incorrect. Likewise, if a person is making dua against someone, and they're not deserving of that, that is also incorrect use of dua. Like for example, if there's a heavy snowstorm, and you have to go somewhere, you have to drive somewhere far, and you're worried, and you're driving alone, or you're walking alone, so you make dua to Allah, Oh Allah, Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna. Alright? A dua like that, and that is correct. This is out of neediness. But if you're saying, you know what? Oh Allah, if you're really there, then I want this to happen right now. Well, no. That's not gonna happen. And when it doesn't happen, then don't go on denying Allah's existence. Because dua is not for the purpose of proving to you that God exists. Right? So anyway, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دُعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Allah always answers prayers. The problem is that we don't ask Him enough. You think about it. When everything we have is from Allah, and we have it even though we never asked Allah, when He gives without us asking, then what can He give you when you will ask Him? When He is so merciful to you that He gives you without even you asking, then you think He will refuse to give you when you ask Him? You understand my point here? Did you ask Allah to get you into a particular school, into a particular program? Perhaps not. Did you make dua, Oh Allah, teach me how to write? Probably not. Did you ask Allah, Oh Allah, cause me to be born on this day at that time? No. You didn't. Did you ask Allah to give you a certain height? No, you didn't. Did you ask Allah to give you certain parents? No, you didn't. I mean, even the food that we eat, the water we use, so many blessings, every single moment of our existence, we are using Allah's gifts. Did we ask Him for those gifts? No, we didn't. He gave them to us without even us asking them. This is how merciful He is. This is how generous He is. So you think if you ask Him, He won't give you? Of course He will give you. And those who think that they are not in need of asking Allah, they think that dua doesn't really work. I'd rather do something else than waste my time making dua. Then this is arrogance. This is arrogance. This is a big problem. And sadly, this problem exists within us. That when we are in a difficult situation and our mom says, make dua, make istikhara, we're like, I'll do it, but seriously, we say such things. Yeah, of course I will. Yeah, you know what? I have been making dua. But tell me something else. You know, this question, tell me something else. Or saying that dua doesn't really work. This is not believing in dua. And not believing in dua is a problem. Did you want to say something? You ask a friend or search it up or something. Learn it from another means instead of asking your mother. She's the one who got it to you. So I feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave us that thing or that situation. And instead of asking him for help, the grantor of that, of that situation, you're asking someone else. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's like, you know, it's foolish that, you know, if you are financially dependent on your parents, for example, and they fulfill every need of yours. All right? And when you want to purchase something, instead of asking your parents, you go around begging people, asking your friends or your aunts and your uncles and your grandparents, can I have $20? Can I have $5? Can I have $50? Can I have this? Isn't that foolish? If your parents find out, you're in big trouble. What do you think of us that you are going and begging others? 
Have we died that you have forgotten us? Have we gone bankrupt? Have we deprived you of something that you are not asking us and you're asking others? What have we not given you and provided you before that you were disappointed of us and you instead asked others? Isn't this foolish? And that is what we do when we refuse to ask Allah. Many people, you know, they say that uh, Allah does not know what is in our heart. Allah knows our entirely why we need to make dua. And it's, sometimes it's out of arrogance and sometimes it's out of uh, negligence. Yes. This is also a problem that exists. Allah already knows what I need. So I don't need to make dua. No, you still need to make dua. You need to express your neediness before Allah. Assalamualaikum. So I, I wanted to buy a house and I didn't have money. And I used to make dua to Allah. Allah, give me money from your means. I don't want to take from bank. I don't want to go into mortgage. So please give me. And people used to say, how is it possible? It's not possible at all. I used to say, no, Allah can give. He has a lot of money. Why not? He, can, he has everything. Yes. And I used to make dua, sincere dua. And Alhamdulillah, I got a house now without any mortgage. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And Allah made it possible. Like, it's yeah. not like I cannot even think how it became possible. Yes, exactly. And this is not a very rare story. This is something that I've heard numerous times from numerous people that it's amazing how people's needs get fulfilled from where they cannot even expect because they asked Allah and Allah provided them. You said that making dua against someone unjustly will not be accepted. And there's many uh, like times in this, that we see in the seerah that Prophet ﷺ made dua against certain disbelievers. And I mean, just generally we hear of people making dua against people all the time. So when is it okay to make dua against well, someone? If someone has been oppressed, all right? If someone has been oppressed, like you... You quoted the example of the Prophet ﷺ. We see that there were so many people who wronged the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba, right? Uh, uh, killed the companions of the Prophet ﷺ without any just cause. So in that situation, yes, the Prophet ﷺ did pray against them. All right, and that is justified. If you are a victim of abuse, if you are a a victim of oppression, then yes, you ask Allah to give you success over your oppressors. And sometimes that is by weakening the oppressors and only Allah can weaken them. Right? Like for instance, certain enemies of the Prophet ﷺ, they were stricken with drought, they were stricken with poverty. Because that, that is what humbles people. Right? So, what's the lesson over here? Whatever your need, ask Him. And if you don't ask Him, and you think you're self-sufficient, then that is a problem. And if you doubt the power of dua, then that is also a problem. And there is a threat over here. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ You see, when is that day or that situation or that time when we're not needy of something? Aren't we always needy of something? Always? Whether it is happiness or it is some feeling of satisfaction getting some work done, some project done, some assignment done, getting somewhere, anything. We're always needy. And yes, it is normal, or rather it is correct to adopt means in order to fulfill our needs. But one of the first means that we must adopt for the fulfillment of our needs is dua. It is dua. Let's listen to the recitation. 